Today on Abounding Grace, we consider what it would be like if there is no resurrection. This is amazing grace. Jesus died and remained in the grave? We're going to thoughtfully consider that question today on Abounding Grace. We continue looking at the resurrection and what it means to us as Christians. In 1 Corinthians 15, we'll discover if there's no resurrection, our faith is empty and our preaching is also empty. In fact, if there's no resurrection, we're liars, still in our sins with no hope. Talk about some serious ramifications. To tell us more, here is Pastor Ed Taylor. Without the resurrection, there is no message. Salvation could never be given because without the resurrection, God is a liar. God promised that his Messiah would rise again. And if there's no resurrection, as we'll see in a moment, then God is made out to be a liar. But the Bible says that God isn't a liar. Let every man be a liar, not God. Without the resurrection, salvation could never be offered, never be received. It says, according to the scriptures, verse 5, that he was seen by Cephas. Some of you might have a little note, but next to Cephas, if you don't, you could write the name Peter, because this is a reference to Peter. That's a pretty important appearance to Peter, the denier, the bummed out denier. Who did Jesus show up to? The one that's bummed out, the one that failed. You got to love that. He was seen by the 12. That's a general term of the disciples apart from Judas, the 12. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Those are pretty powerful credentials. 500 people at once. That means if you were to ask every person, every one of those 500, gave them just 15 minutes to share what they saw. 15 very quick very short minutes. It would take that 500 people 15 and a half, eight hour days, two and a half, two weeks and a day and a half, eight hours straight, no lunch break, no nothing, over and over again for two straight weeks, eight hour days, eight hour work days, like two weeks of your work. It would take that much time for each one of the 500 just to share 15 minutes of their testimony. That's a long, that's pretty compelling evidence. On top of that, As Paul is writing this, he knows there's going to be skeptics. He knows there are going to be people, no, no, 500, I don't believe it. Paul says, hey, by the way, a lot of them are still alive. Go ask them. Don't believe me on what I'm writing down. Go ask them. They're still alive to this present day. That's pretty compelling evidence. But even if we go, well, Ed, I don't believe, I can't talk to the 500. No, but you can talk to many hundred tonight because there's evidence of the resurrection even here today. Your life. Your life is evidence that Jesus is alive. I mean, really, how else? What else accounts for the power of your faith and the work of God in your life? But the living Savior. We don't believe in a dead Savior. 
We believe in a God that's alive, still today, drawing people to himself, just like he promised. One after another. Can you imagine just sitting at your cubicle online? You could watch it online. So you had to show up, but they gave you permission. So you're watching it live service online here at Calvary Aurora, sitting in your cubicle for eight hours all day. No YouTube, no Facebook, no Twitter, nothing. You're just watching the screen there, and every 15 minutes a new person comes up and shares what they saw in the resurrected, how they spoke to him, what they saw. That 15 minutes over and over, every day, one week, two weeks. And just when you think it's over, you show up on Monday, and there's still another day and a half of this testimony. Powerful. And they're still, at the time of this writing, they were still alive. Some have fallen asleep, but not all of them. He was seen, verse 7, by James, the half-brother of Jesus, the one that ends up the letter named James. Then he was seen by all the apostles. Then, verse 8, he was seen last of all by me also as one born out of due time. Paul wasn't one of the original apostles. When Jesus was walking the earth, Saul of Tarsus was an enemy of the cross to the point where he decided Right before his conversion, he was going to go to Damascus and wipe the Christians out himself. And he had permission to do so. One of the lessons we learn in Saul of Tarsus is that you never want to lose sight of this. But it does happen with those that are screaming and kicking the loudest are often the closest. They're kicking against, they're kicking against the testimony of Jesus. They're kicking against, they're fighting against the reality. They're very, very close. And Saul, we know, was very, very close because he didn't even make it to Damascus before Jesus intervened, knocked him off his animal, spoke to him from heaven, blinded him. And it was in that instant that he, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? That quick. You don't want to lose sight of the love that God has for your family, especially the ones that are kicking the hardest and the loudest. <laughs> you might have even written them off by now. That's not uncommon. I'm so glad that a few people didn't write me off. There were still a few people praying for me, and maybe one day, maybe one day God will get a hold of that guy. If he can get a hold of Saul, he can get a hold of anybody. And how careful we want to guard our hearts from writing people off. That God indeed is at work even when we don't see it. You know, Marie and I have been married for many, many years. We've been saved now coming up on 20 years. And there really hasn't gone a week by or a month by that we haven't prayed for her family. Her brothers, their wives, their kiddos her mom's husband. We love them. We love that family. They've been so gracious and patient with us. And as we look at their family, it, from the human perspective, we're just wondering, I don't know. I don't know. They just don't seem to be interested. They have some religion in their life. They're kind of caught up in religion and sort of feel like they're okay and I'm the radical, crazy Jesus freak, and they're the comfortable religion. But we have a great relationship with them, wonderful people. And there's one guy in particular that seems to be the hardest 
And we love him so much. He's such a great guy. And you look at him and what we've watched over the years is just so wonderful to, to watch how we've been able to bless him and bless and just see him grow up. And, and he has been resistant so many years to the gospel. And today's Wednesday, so I think it was on Monday that my phone lit up. And here's, you know what he's doing? He sent me a scripture. He texted me a scripture. Because, you know, that's what you do to Christians. You send them scriptures. And he got a new phone, and he's calling me up. And he says, hey, I got a new phone. I need a Bible for it. What do you want me, you know, tell me what to do. And I sent him back. And, and you know what? We will not stop praying for him. Because he was reading the Bible. Sent me a little scripture. I sent back, hey, Matt, that's a great scripture. Keep sending them. Because you just don't know. Don't write anybody off. Don't give up on them. Don't relegate them to, oh, forget. They'll just keep causing pain and problems. Just keep loving them. You never know. You might look down at your phone and you look at the scripture and you're like, who is that? <laughs> I see it, but I got to check the number. And he had sent it to Marie too, so confirmed. We know it's the right guy. And it's so wonderful. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You have no idea what happens when they put their head down on the pillow. You don't know what they're going to do when they get a new phone, a new little smartphone, and that smartphone puts some smarts in them to get a Bible. <laughs> you got to love it. See, James was an unbeliever, and Jesus appeared to him. I wonder what that was like. How you doing, brother? <laughs> We know James got saved, became a leader in the church. We just studied about him in Acts 15. That's the James here. Last of all, he was seen by me. Just a list of people. The appearances of Jesus is another study. If you like to study the Bible, just go through and look at all the appearances of Jesus and who he appeared to. And look at their lives. Cephas, you know, Peter, he was bummed out. James, an unbeliever. Paul, a radical, crazy, going to kill every Christian I meet. And Jesus appeared to him and changed their lives. He says, I'm, not the, I'm the least of the apostles, verse 9. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. One of the most effective places you and I can be in serving is to have a, a sober understanding of who we are. We're all look at Paul and go, dude, you like wrote most of the New Testament. You're like an inspiration to me. I look to you and I'm so encouraged. And you know what Paul says? I'm nobody. I don't even deserve any of this. He had a right estimation of his life and it made him very effective. And he says, hey, I'm the least of all. And as you see him grow older in the things of God, he has a, more under, a deeper understanding. You would think that the longer you live with Jesus, the more you feel confident. But actually, the opposite is true. The more you live for Jesus, the more understanding you, the more you gain, you just understand it's all him and it's none of me. I'm the least of the apostles. Who am I? I love that about him because God used him greatly. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. 
But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and you believed. Developing that relationship that he had with them. If it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us. That's a verse you can claim for yourself. And the part that you have is that you're laboring more abundantly, that you're really faithful with the gifts that God has given you that you're laboring more abundantly, that God is growing you week after week, month after month. For, for example, you might be a new believer and Wednesday nights is just brand new for you. You, you. you never even thought of coming to church on Wednesday night. I know I did. I mean, what, what's Wednesday night? I don't remember what my favorite show was back then, but church, TV, I, man, okay, if you want me to go to church, I'll go to church. And I was learning that being, fe- being fed the word of God was making me stronger. I was learning that. And so my attitude in those early days is whatever time they have Bible study, man, I'm there. I want to learn this thing. And then there was a Bible, there was a Bible study radio station that I could tune into, lock my, my, my little radio onto that Bible. And then I found out they had tapes. You remember tapes? <laughs> and I could call up the church and say, hey, uh, did Pastor Raw teach through the book of Revelation? Because I like to, yeah. Well, how many are there? Well, there's like 50. How much? Well, it's 200 bucks. Great. Whatever. It, I don't care. Like I would drop 200 bucks on partying one weekend. 200 bucks on tapes. I don't care if it helps the ministry. I'm all over that. And I, I still have boxes and boxes of tapes. I even after giving them all away. They just keep loading up. And now, you know, MP3s. And, and it didn't matter. I'm like, we are so blessed. That here you are, this is your Wednesday night, and then you, then you do four Wednesday nights, and you do a weekend, then you start serving. You come Saturday night, you start serving on Sunday. You, you begin to find that as you feed on the Lord and you dwell in his faithfulness, you begin to grow and you labor more abundantly. This isn't something that you just sort of sit back and this is equipping time. The Bible says he's given us pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. But this is just the beginning as you grow and wait till, wait till as you're driving around town, you can have a station where you know, man, it's just going to be the word of God and worship. That's it. Anywhere, anytime, the Lord's just going to use that in your life. It's going to be a time of edifying. I'm going to tell you, those of you that haven't hooked on radio yet, it's going to blow your mind how fast you'll grow as you present yourself to these godly Bible teachers. And you take it in. You don't even have to take notes because you're driving. So don't even worry about taking notes. Just let it come in. And you're all worried about going to work. Boom, you got the Bible study on and somebody's teaching you about not being anxious. And you're going, oh Lord, you're so good. I don't need to be anxious. And then at the end of the day, something really horrible, you just got suspended at work or something, you're all messed up over it. You get into the car, you flip it on, and and there's a song about trusting in the Lord. And you're like, God, you're so good. I really need to change my behavior so I don't get suspended again. And it's not really my boss's fault. And your life's going to change if you present yourself to the Lord. You, you, You don't need to be listening to Rush Limbaugh going home. You get all mad, man, just like... By the time you're done listening to that guy, you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to the world? I'll tell you right now, Jesus is coming again. That's what's going to happen. Sometimes I listen to that guy and he just scares me. 
Because we don't put our hope in man. We don't put our hope in government. We don't put our hope in the systems of man or the economies of man. We don't put our hope in whether our boss makes the right decisions. We don't put our hope. We put our hope in the Lord who has died and he was buried and he rose again the third day and he promised to come again. That's where your hope is, Christian. And you need to focus your time and attention on those things that are going to grow you up. And everyone is at a different stage of maturity. But all of us share in the need to grow up in the things of God. Some of you have double time on me, even say 40, 50 years. You know what? You still need to grow up. There are still areas God wants to mature you. I'm at the 20 year mark. You're at the 10 year. You're at the five. You're at the five week. Wherever it might be, God is growing us up into perfection, helping us. And the hope is centered on the resurrection. So now Paul asks a few questions in verse 12. He says, and this is kind of speaking to those that the resurrection, it would be like in our church where there are people going around and there's little, you know, I know he's speaking on the resurrection, but you know it's not true. And there's other people over here, you know, we got a little Bible study after church that we're going to let you know and we're going to prove to you how the resurrection's not true. That was happening here. And of course, if we get wind of anything like that, man, if you're going to have a little Bible study teaching people false doctrine, we're going to find you. He said, why don't you ripping people off? If you want to hold a false doctrine, go somewhere else. But don't come in to try to rip, up, rip off the sheep. People that believe in the Lord. It's because you got some new thing going on. I, I should have brought it in, but I save it for some other Bible study. But I was reading through a magazine, and now we got people predicting the coming of the Lord again. Date and everything. I'm like, come on now. Obviously, they aren't reading their Bible. They don't hear Jesus. You don't have to listen to that nonsense. They don't know when Jesus is coming back setting a date and such. But people get all duped by that. Really? Nobody else, not even the angels know, but you do? <laughs> you want to be careful. This world is full of false teachers. That's what Jesus said happened in the last days. So now he's talking to that kind of environment. Ready? Now, if Christ has preached that he's been raised from the dead, how does some among you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ isn't risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is also in vain. Yes, if we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Jesus, or he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. Verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of we are all men the most pitiable. Wow. If there's no resurrection, did you hear what he said? Number one, Christ isn't risen. That's not true. Number two, our preaching is empty. So why are we preaching? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, why would we preach? How futile. Your faith is empty, he said, number three. We as, as teachers are found false witnesses. Number five, if he says it again, if there is no resurrection, then Christ really is not risen. And what that means is your faith is empty. doesn't mean anything. You're still in your sins, verse 7. Or number 7. Number 8, you, the people that have died before us, there's no hope of the resurrection to be reunited with them. They're lost. And then number 9, 
we're most pitiable. What? We're just like, there's no resurrection. What are we doing? Why are we here? We're to be pitied. It's a hopeless situation if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It makes him a liar. It makes Jesus a liar because he said he'd rise again and the tomb was empty and he appeared and he said, oh, it made all those eight, eight and a half, 15 and a half days of eight hours of testimony, they're all liars, every one of them. The apostles, they're all liars. Cephas, the one that preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved, he's a liar too. Paul the apostle on his way to Damascus, ready to kill all the Christians, now he's the chief Christian, he's a liar too. If there's no resurrection, then Ed Taylor's a liar. And all the things that God has done in my life, really not true. It's all just a mirage. God didn't deliver me from alcohol. He didn't deliver me from drugs. He didn't deliver me just basically from basic stupidity of mistreating my wife and my son. He didn't change my whole life around. He, he didn't... He didn't even change, you know, if, if Jesus is, then, then what we're seeing right now, even the changed countenance, you know, because people that are strung out, man, they, they just look bad. I mean, I look bad now, but I looked worse back then. <laughs> he didn't deliver captives from prison either. No, that's all a mirage. He didn't flip homes right side up. He didn't change entire cities. No, because, you know, Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. It just, that's the point he's making. How ridiculous. That's kind of how I summarize that. Are you kidding me? Look at your own life, Paul would say. Look what God is doing. Look at the hope that you have now. Look at the changes. It's not just by buying a book because many of us bought books all along. I would go to the bookstore just looking for something. I knew something was wrong. I would go to the meetings. I go, what is going on? There's got to be something. It would be nothing. It'd be nothing but the book that is alive. The Holy Spirit used in my life and yours. Even if you didn't have a crazy, whacked out testimony, just use mine. <laughs> because it was your parents that believed in the word of God that you grew up in a Christian home. It was your grandfather that believed in the resurrection. And your great-grandfather, that's the heritage you have. And you're like, well... I don't really, I, I don't know, I, I just, I've known my whole life that I've been saved. Well, good, because God really hooked you up at an early age. Praise God for that. And that's the point he's making. How ridiculous. Of course Jesus is alive. We don't live a pitiable life. We live a life full of hope. So he says in verse 20, now... But now Christ is risen from the dead. He's become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus is risen. He, as the Lamb of God, died over the Passover, rose again three days later. He's the first fruits. That means he's the model of the resurrection because Jesus rose again, so shall we. Thankfully, Jesus did rise from the dead, and there is hope. Not only that, as believers, we'll experience a resurrection, too. How great is that? Today on Abounding Grace, we considered, what if there is no resurrection? It's a question posed in 1 Corinthians 15. And if you'd like to hear this message from Pastor Ed Taylor again, please visit us online at calvaryco.church. Or listen through either of our apps. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. 
And here in the month of July, we've picked out a book written by Pastor Ed we think you'll enjoy and benefit a great deal from. It ties in quite nicely to our current study, too. It's called Ordinary Servant. Maybe you've wondered, can God really use me? I'm just an ordinary guy or gal. Well, the answer in short is absolutely. Pastor Ed will lovingly and biblically walk you through how it is we can serve others with the heart of Christ. We'll send this your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And again, we'll say thanks for a gift of $25 or more by sending you Pastor Ed's book, Ordinary Servant. When you make a donation to Abounding Grace, you're helping countless others learn and apply the Bible and grow in grace. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That number again, 877-30-GRACE. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Corinthians. Thank you for listening today, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.